Good morning. All right, so you all bear with me for one second. A priest and a rabbi walk into a bar. The priest sits on the first stool at the bar and orders a drink. There are five other unoccupied bar stools and four bar stools that are occupied. The rabbi chooses a table in the window and orders a snack. There are 22 other people sitting at different tables in the bar. How many bartenders were on duty last night? Anybody know? So to me, this is what the scriptures sound like leading up to our gospel for today. A bunch of ridiculous riddles that seem to have no answer. The Sadducees and the Pharisees are taking turns doing rounds, trying to trip Jesus up by asking him what they think are really complicated questions. In turn, Jesus' answers prove to be equally complicated. It is a game he is ready to play. Listen to this exchange that comes just before our gospel reading for today. The Sadducees say, Now, there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died childless, leaving the widow to his brother. The second did the same, so also the third, down to the seventh. Last of all, the woman herself died. In the resurrection, then, whose wife of the seven will she be? For all of them had married her. Okay, so I'm not going to get into that, although I feel like there's a lot that we could unpack in those few lines from the Sadducees. But what I will say today, since this is not even our gospel reading, what I will say about this is the Sadducees are sitting there right there with the risen Lord, and this, well, the, the, the incarnate God, and this is what they, they ask him. This is the question that they want to answer to. But Jesus doesn't, doesn't miss a beat. His response, have you not read what they said to you, what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is God not of the dead, but of the living. Well, that really cleared it all up, didn't it? All of this banner and this back and forth just makes things really confusing. But then we get to today's gospel. The Pharisees ask, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus answers, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Well, thank goodness. A straightforward question, a straightforward answer. Or is it? It's like I used to say to my children when they were about in middle school and they started learning kind of cool, complicated things in school and they would come home and they would ask me these questions. And I'd have to say to them, are you asking me because you're curious and you want to know the answer? Or are you asking me because you're testing me? Usually the answer was they were testing me. So I think it's the same thing here with the Pharisees. They're not asking this question necessarily because they want to know the answer. They ask this question as a final attempt to settle a score with Jesus. If they can get him to say that loving God is the greatest commandment, it means that all of their focus on ritual cleanliness and temple worship and law is also of the greatest importance because that's what, what is required to love God. If, however, they can get him to say that the commandment to love God is not the primary commandment, then they can effectively cancel Jesus. 
but he doesn't fall for the trap. He confirms that loving God is of greatest importance, but he expands on what it means to love God. Loving God is not simply a vertical endeavor. For those of you all who are in the forum today, Danielle spoke, spoke about vertical process and horizontal process. Loving God is not only a vertical endeavor. We don't just love God by worshiping. The Pharisees were very, um, they were very set on loving God with their offerings and their cleanliness. But these things are only part of it. The incarnation of God shows us that God is among us. So to love God, we need to honor God's holy name, not only work vertically through our worship and our praise, but also horizontally in and through one another. Vertical love of God is unbalanced without the horizontal love of God through neighbor. Jesus was the ultimate example of how to live out this perfect balance. The Pharisees worried about being in contact with sinners, with those who were unclean. This excluded a lot of people. The work to remain ritually clean and thereby uphold the primary commandment to love God in their eyes was demanding. Now, Jesus did not disrespect the laws of Jewish worship or purity. He was himself a devout Jew. But what he showed us is that through the incarnation, there is more to loving God than just staying ritually pure. Through the incarnation, we see God live among the sinners and the unclean, and that is all of us, including the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and offer all of us love and acceptance. Jesus shows that we love God by loving one another. When we recognize and lean into God in one another, we are leaning into God in all of God's expansiveness. Now, some of you may be saying, well, we are St. Luke's and we are already really good at that. Um, and we are. Our liturgy, our space is beautiful. It's breathtaking. And I truly have never been part of another organization or community with as much passion for creating justice and giving voice to the voiceless as St. Luke's. But I want to challenge all of us not to get too comfortable in our status quo. I want to challenge us to really think about what it means to love God, to love our neighbor. During a recent adult forum, there was an interesting conversation at my table about the difference between offering inclusion and offering belonging. Being inclusive means that all are invited. That is lovely, and we are good at that here. Offering belonging, though, requires a few more steps. It is more than just opening our doors and inviting all to come inside. To offer belonging means to honor the God in each other. It is more than just offering a space to sit in peace and rest. To offer belonging is to invite and encourage everyone to bring their stories with the triumphs and the failures and the beautiful parts and the parts that still need a lot of work. To offer belonging means to meet people where they are and invite them to meet you where you are, even if you feel like you're not anywhere close to the same place. To offer belonging means to start a conversation and stay in that conversation, even when it's difficult. We live in a cancel culture. Winning is important and losing is, well, for losers. There is a societal risk 
to making yourself vulnerable enough to share your story and to listen to someone else's story with curiosity and openness and a love. But that is exactly what we must do to honor God in one another. Bishop Curry says that conversation with others, especially across difference, is not just a nice thing to do. It is a spiritual practice of love and action. And our spiritual practices are what build our faith. And our faith, according to Richard Rohr, makes us more spacious, more comfortable with totality, more able to hold the disparate parts together, more able to make peace, and more able to mend, mind, mend the breach. This is really hard work. It can be messy and complicated, but diving into the messy and complicated is what Jesus shows us how to do. Just look at his disciples. They weren't a group of friends from similar backgrounds and political affiliations. He called fishermen and farmers. He called tax collectors and zealots. They were a motley crew. I am sure they frustrated Jesus and they frustrated one another. And I am equally sure they had opposing opinions and they were passionate about each one of them. But they kept on talking and they kept on listening. Jesus was constantly engaging in tough conversations, drawing out stories, and refusing to leave the conversation even when he knew he was being set up, as is the case in today's gospel. We can look across our world today and see people carrying out violent atrocities, many doing so in the name of God. I can only imagine what that must make God feel. A peace of God lives in each and every one of us. Any act of violence against any one body is an act of violence against the heart of God. But if God can stay in conversation with us, even when we are not listening, we need to stay in conversation with each other. Even when it's difficult and it's unclear to us where God might be hiding on the other side. We don't always think about having these types of conversations in our church because we love each other. Our world is complicated and divided enough. Church is our place where we come to be safe, to be with our people. Church should be our respite from the conflict and strife and bad behavior that is a constant part of our world. But staying in a hard conversation requires us to bring our best self and the God within us if we can't practice that and do that in church, we certainly won't be able to do it in the greater world. The idea is not to decide who is right and is wrong. The goal is to listen and learn from one another, to expand our perspective through the sharing of stories and struggles and experiences, to recognize and honor God in each other even when things are complicated. The Swahili term is Ubuntu, I am because we are. We are called to recognize and illuminate the pieces of God in all of us. And this requires us to know each other, to hear each other's stories, to share our own journeys, and to stay in the conversation. Now, I can't not say anything about the Old Testament reading today because, in my opinion, it's one of the most poignant in scriptures. Again and again, God had asked Moses to do things that put Moses well out of his comfort zone. Moses protested, and he did not always go forth with the best attitude. He challenged God at every turn, 
Please don't make me do that, Moses would beg. A few times he even took matters into his own hands, thinking that surely God must not really know what he was asking him to do. But through it all, he stayed in the conversation. He kept talking to God. He kept listening to God. He kept talking to the motley crew of tired and doubting Israelites, tromping through the wilderness with them. And then in today's reading, Moses finally sees the promised land. And it is here that he dies. Readers of the story mourn the unfairness that Moses did not get to experience life in the promised land after all he did to get the people there. But nowhere in the story do we hear Moses challenge God in these last moments. And his life showed us that he was never scared to do just that. Maybe he was ready. He was over 100 years old. Moses stayed in tough conversations with God and with the stiff-necked crew of people he was called to lead, even when it was difficult. He pulled close to God, and he continued to believe that God lived within them even when the, when the going got tough. Never again has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, who the Lord knew face to face. They talked. They listened. So the challenge for us is to be bold, to be vulnerable, to be curious, to be open, to be discerning, to be a divining rod for God within ourselves and within one another. The call is to seek and serve Christ in all people. Share your story. Invite others to do the same. We are more alike than we are different, for God lives in us all. Amen.